Let us ask the Holy Spirit to be with us. Thank you, Father, for your presence. You've already promised that spirit. I've already sensed that it's here and it's real. So, Father, I pray that you would illuminate this message for us today. It might be a little new for some people. It was for me for some time. But I just pray, Father, that your will will be done in this message. In his name we pray. Amen. My text today is James 5.16. It's the last phrase, the last part of the verse. It said, The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Let us pray. Father, we pray, and even as we look at this text, this text tells us that the prayer, that prayer makes a difference. We pause and ask, Father, that this teaching, this understanding would teach us that we would change, change us and help us to pray more effectively and more fervently, in Jesus' name, amen. Most of us believe in the power of prayer. We know that there is power in prayer. And most of us would know that the priority is to be in prayer. We know that because we remember that the disciples, when they come to Jesus, they said, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach a pray. Now that request always intrigued me. He didn't say teach us to preach. Teach us to heal the sick. Teach us to cast out demons. No. He didn't mention any of that stuff. He said, Lord, teach us to pray. You know, I'm convinced. They asked Jesus for that request because of their personal observation of him. Remember, they lit, was living together at that time. And I believe that they watched him very up, up close in a personal way. And no doubt, they came to the conclusion that Jesus' success, his evangelism, his healing the sick, always came after that he had had time to talk to his father. I can understand that. I, over, over the years, it, this takes, takes, I didn't learn it. At, I've been Christian now over a half century and I didn't learn this precious truth for a while. But one of the things I found that I can depend upon Jesus. I can come to him. I can ask him for something. I can totally depend on him because he's met my every need that I've ever had. I remember we were coming from, we had a branch Sabbath school. Our church was in, in uh, Hamilton, Ohio. We had a branch Sabbath school in, in Loveland. It was about 25 miles. So, and I remember that we just had time to, to, uh, rush home after service, maybe have a sandwich in a very short time. 
to get over to our church and our branch Sabbath school. I remember those people, Pentecostal, it was a Pentecostal church, loving church. They loved each other. I remember that they, uh, they didn't want to take anything. We insisted that we pay for part of the utilities anyway. No, 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 we don't want that. You, we wouldn't, would never let you pay for anything when you're glorifying Jesus. But we insist. We finally got, got our way on that. But I found that God has his people in most all churches. A Christian to me is someone that trusts and loves Jesus. But they watched Jesus carefully, the disciples did. And they came to the conclusion that Jesus' ministry was result, was result that Jesus result of Jesus to pray, that Jesus knew how to pray. And from that time, and after he would speak to the Father, everything else just seemed to flow. And all the success was the result of prayer to the Father. And so they came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray you. And you and I understand that there is power in prayer. There is power in prayer. The disciples, Jesus' evangelism, Jesus' casting out demons, all of this came as a result of first coming to the Father and talking to him. His healing was the result of his talking with the Father. His... uh dependency upon the Father. And if he had to depend upon upon his Father, how much more should we be dependent upon Jesus? Now I have to confess something to you. Christian, I found, is a, is a maturity. It, it, most For most people, it doesn't happen at one time. It took me a little while to understand that I had a problem with prayer. And that is, take this simple exhortation. And I, I uh, and I have discovered the problem was this. The problem was this. This verse, this one word, this one word, this one word, righteousness. Take this simple exhortation. And it became a subtle uh, intimidation to me. It gives us a simple exhortation about prayer, and sometimes I have found myself shying away from prayer. And some people, someone might be asking, now what do you mean, Glenn? Because of what it said. Because of what... The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous person availeth much. And that's where the problem was. That's where the problem was. That word righteous. You see, I have a tendency to believe that God will answer, will listen to the prayer of Billy Graham, Doug Batchelor, Mark Finley, John Bradshaw, Charles Spurgeon, 
they are righteous men. They are righteous men. But me, I don't know how that that works. I don't know how that that works. The prayer of a righteous man availeth much. But how do I fit into that equation? How do I fit in? So I think, well, that leaves me out. That leaves me out. But understanding the precious truth, I want you to listen very carefully what I'm going to say now. Uh, the, the Bible points it out in the Old Testament and particularly in the, in, in the New Testament. Righteousness is not the way you behave. Righteousness is not the way you behave. Righteousness is what you believe. Righteousness is what you believe. And if I don't see that, and if I don't see that, I'm going to spend the rest of my life struggling, coming to prayer and asking myself, am I worthy to ask God for this special, special gift? Or am I worthy to even share it with someone? And when you pray that prayer and you don't, do not understand this scripture, and I hope today I'll make some things a little more clear than maybe they have been to you before. James says, faith without works. Faith without works is dead. I believe that. I believe that. But I believe it would be impossible for you and I to keep the commandments of God. Can we keep the commandments of God? No, we cannot keep the commandments of God. Can Jesus keep the commandments of God? Yes, Jesus can keep the commandments of God. Can Jesus live in you? Yes, Jesus can live in you. And that's the way the Ten Commandments is kept. 1 Colossians 1.27 says, The mystery to the Gentiles is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Revelation 4, verse 3 says, Abraham believed God. Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him as righteous. It wasn't what Abraham did, it's what Abraham believed. Abraham believed that God would do what he, what he said that he would do. Now let me let me ask you this question: Do you believe? Do you believe in the plan of salvation? Do you believe that Jesus died on the cross for you? He was in a tomb for three days and he was resurrected. Do you believe that? If you believe that, then you are a righteous person. But I, in saying that, I want you to understand one thing. I believe when you are righteous, it's going to show. It'll be a totally different new life for you. I remember Florence. It happened to me. I seemed all of a sudden. It totally changed me. And I was pretty wild at one time. I remember Sister Florence, a man I run around with, my old buddy. 
And someone passed away here in, here in this congregation, and he came down. He was relatives. And he was telling Florence about the life that we live, the lifestyle. She said, no, <laughs> you've got the wrong one. You've got the wrong one. It's not, not, not the Glenn I know. Well, it wasn't the Glenn that she knew. It was a new Glenn. And that was a, transform, a transformation. But I believe, and that's the way that, and I believe the only way that we can have that total transformation in our life is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Do you believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross? You love him. You love him and you have a connection with him because of that. Then you are. Then you are a righteous person. Do you believe that? You say, yes, I believe that. Then you are a righteous person. Second Corinthians 5.16 You don't know, Glenn, what I have gone through. You don't know what I have done. You don't know what I did done last year or even last week. I don't have to know. I know this. I know about my Savior. That if you come to Him and you believe you are a righteous person because you're going to be a changed person, a totally different person. Old things, uh, old things have passed away, and all things have become new. If you are a believer here today, you are covered. You are covered with Christ. Second Corinthians one says says this, him who knew no sin, he was made to be sin on our behalf. He who was had no sin was made to be sin on our behalf. That we become the righteousness of God in him. Jesus who knew no sin became sin. He took my sin. He took your sin. And it's his righteousness we have. That's not ours. That we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Jesus took my sins. He paid it all. He paid it. He presented sin. He took away the past sin, the present sin, and the future sin. The whole caboodle. The whole deck. As long as I believe in Christ and have that connection with him, you are covered with the blood of Jesus Christ. And friends, you can't be any more righteous than that. You can't be any more righteous than that. You are righteous. You are the righteousness of God. And you can't be any more righteouser. I guess that's a word. It's amazing you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And dear hearts, you can't get any more righteous than that. He takes all your stuff, even that stuff that, that you have. You know, I've, I often ask the Lord, not only does he take it, he forgives you, and he said, I will remember no more. I don't know about you, but sometimes... 
I wish I could do that. Sometimes my past flashes back in my memory. And I think, Lord, you was able to, you said you don't even remember my sins. Why can't I do that? I have some thoughts, I think we all do, of our old life. And and it, and uh, we just like to forget it. We hate it. I hate it when that stuff comes to my mind. But, you know, I ask him, Lord, why can't I forget this? And he said, you must never forget it. You must always remember what I brought you out of. So we need to remember it. We remember remember when that we was in another person at a different time. So many Christians think salvation is based on what they do. It is not. Salvation is not based on what they do. Salvation is on what he did for you. The fervent prayer and righteousness revealeth much, and that is righteous, that righteous man is your, you. That righteous man is me. If you truly believe Christ, and you have him living in your heart, and Colossians 1.27 says, The mystery of the Gentiles is Christ in you, the hope of glory. What does that mean? That means his righteousness is now my righteousness. His righteousness is now my righteousness. And the book of Hebrews, because of that, the book of Hebrews... I think it's 416 tells me that because of that I have his righteousness. Now I can go boldly to the throne of grace and ask for grace and help in time of need. Because I'm righteous. I have the righteousness of God. A lot of Christians still don't comprehend it. They, they, they still think that righteousness is something that they do, and it is not. It is not. I remember John, John Carter. John Carter went to a count meeting, and uh, he was a speaker. The count meeting, featured speaker, and across the front, the the the, the upon the platform was a big uh, sign that says, "Let us finish the work and go home." That was the theme. He said, I don't agree with your, I don't agree with the, that sign there, with your theme. We do not finish the work. Jesus finishes the work. Now, I, we, Jesus can use us and he will use us, but he says, if we do not cry out, the very rocks will cry out. Jesus is the one that finishes the work. Everything that we do, it's Christ doing it through us. We can take no credit for it. It's what he did. It's called imputed righteousness. It's a gift. He That was a gift he gave to you. Therefore, brethren and sisters, the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And that righteous man is you. That righteous man is me. Because of our sins, Christ took them all. And he has 
made you and I righteous. That's imputed forgiveness. He gave his righteousness to us. We are the righteousness of God. In 2 Corinthians 5.21 in Christ. How do you know that? You must be saying, Glenn, how do you know that? That's what, that's what Jesus meant. Or James meant when he said the righteous, effectual prayer for righteous man mean as much. How do you know that's what he, what he meant? Well, look at the text. Look at the text. It says in, in uh, and it says in like manner that as you are, like manner as you are. Talking, I have a prayer reading my notes sometimes, I write them a little bit too small for me. He's speaking about Elijah. Elijah had all the, in like manner, as we, he had all the problems that we have. We have all the problems that we have. It's amazing that he could go to cast out, killed a hundred and, four hundred and fifty, I think it was, four hundred and fifty Baal prophets and he can become discouraged Ahab told told Jezebel what what had happened and she contacted she contacted and she told, told him she said tomorrow Elijah you'll pay the price you kill my 450 Baal, Baal priest. You know what he done? He ran 70 miles to, like a, like a jackrabbit to the first cave. He was scared to death because he had the same temperaments that you and I have. And I tell you, he wanted to die. If he'd had a cell phone, I think he would have called Dr. Kevorkian. He wanted to die. And here's a guy that just had victory and prayed and it stopped raining over three and a half years. And, and uh, so you and I, friends, and to our lives, sometimes I think most of a Christian's life is a blessing. Mine's a blessing. But there are times that we have our we're not always on a mountain. There'll be times that we're down in a valley. But we'll, I've discovered that Christ still loves us. He's still with us. He hasn't left us. And sometimes I believe in Elijah's case and our case. I believe that God knew that Elijah, he, did he know what Elijah was going to do? Of course he did. And I believe that Elijah, I believe that Elijah needed that. I believe he needed that. And sometimes we go through the same experience. I remember my wife and I, when we first came here, came to Macquarie County. I grew up here as a boy. I saw more, I think, the first month or two when I was here than I'd ever seen growing up here because we wanted to see the country that I hadn't seen. I remember it was over toward Bell Farm and there was a, a sign said, Peter's Mountain. 
Peter's Mountain, nine miles, and I thought that was a well... The road looked all right to start. I didn't know it was an old log trail. We started on that, and it had been raining. And I can tell you, yes, the Lord was blessing me. He was answering prayers. I had articles published, and, and God was just blessing in ways that I that had to come from him. But I can tell you, I was scared. Those same temperaments and feelings that that uh, that Elijah had, I had the same thing. But you know my wife. I've never met a person who had more faith than she did. She was enjoying the scenery. She was enjoying it. And we would go down into places. We couldn't turn around and come back. And we and I and there was water across the road. It could have covered the car as far as I know. I knew that we couldn't. There's no way we could turn around and go back. And this was in the fall, and it was still cool. We had little weather breakers on. And, you know, I've never been as scared in my life. My mouth was total, felt like it's full of cotton. We'd even start up a hill. I don't know. And the car would start scooting back. There's no way that we could come out of that. But suddenly something would pick up the car and push it over, 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 over that knoll. And that happened for over nine miles. And why does, does, does these things happen to you and I? Like Elijah, we have the same emotions. And I believe that God wanted to talk to Elijah. He wanted Elijah not just to say, yes, Lord, I'm so happy that I can ask you for these things and it happens. And I was happy too that I could ask him. But you know what? He said, Elijah, show me, Glenn, it's more than that. John 17 John 17, Jesus prayed that we may become one as he and the Father is one. He said, don't just ask me for these things. I want you to become one with me. What a wonderful experience when we can become one with Christ. And we can know That we are righteous. Not because of anything that we have done. But because what Jesus did. He gave us his righteousness. And he wants us to become one with him. And this is my prayer that we'll all come to realize this precious truth. If you love Jesus. If you're trusting in him. And if you believe you are righteous. You are as righteous as, as righteous as one can be. No one can be in a righteouser when you have the righteousness of Jesus. Let us continue to seek that. Let us continue to be focused, keep focused upon him, because by beholding we become in the same image. Let us pray. My Father, thank you 
for the message that you gave me a long time ago is didn't come all of a sudden. It come with of years of not only justification, but sanctification, the growth in Christ. I just pray that you'd help each one of us to continue to grow till we can have that wonderful assurance that we are righteousness in Christ. In his name we, we pray. Amen. I close on him. 478. 478. And today, when I have the benediction to leave, I probably won't come right on down to the floor at just that time. I'm going to take a little rest, and then I'll come down. Clark, do you want to come up and lead us?
complete our prayer. The most precious moments of the week are those times that we can talk to you, Father. We can talk to you as the disciples talk to the Lord, as Jesus prayed that we would have that oneness with him that he had with the Father. Thank you, Jesus, that we now maybe have a little clearer understanding of it. And we will seek that experience, that oneness with Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen.